So good morning. Uh, as Mark said, my name is Jenna. Um, just before I get into the main bulk of the talk, actually, I just had a word for you guys, which I really felt like God put on my heart for you this week. Um, it's got nothing to do with my talk. But anyway, so uh, Monday, the 19th of July, obviously just had that Monday, the long-awaited Freedom Day. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been really looking forward to that day for such a long time and had such high expectations about the day um, and us getting back to some kind of normality and being able to socialise a bit more and that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've seen this week already people be a little bit disappointed with some things. You know, we're seeing numbers go up again. Um, I work in a school, we've had five bubbles shut this week, which means that some of our teachers who've been going all the year have now got to isolate for their summer holidays. And, you know, there's been some, some disappointment amongst other really great things. And I say that not to put a dampener on things, but I really feel like the Lord is just reminding us that he offers us this invitation, and the invitation is there this morning for you, that he offers true freedom, that Freedom Day happened 2,000 years ago in the form of Jesus Christ when he came to set us free on the cross. And you know what? He far exceeds our expectations of what freedom looks like. So I think he just wants to say this morning to remind you that he is inviting you into that freedom this morning. So if you don't know Jesus, if you're yet to say yes to him, that invitation to walk in freedom is there this morning. And I just want to encourage you that if you've come with a friend or if you're watching online, can you just let one of the team members know? Because we would love to pray with you about that. Okay, cool. So... I'm going to continue with the summer series, which Mark introduced last week. And if you missed that, please do catch up with it. You can find it online. Um, all of our talks are listed there. You know, Mark spoke again about an invitation that Jesus offers and that he extends to all of us. In particular, he looked at the story of um, when Jesus met the woman at the well. Um, and you would have heard as part of that talk that he introduced the summer series, saying that it's a chance for people to come up, for speakers to come up and to share what they feel God has placed on their heart. So I've got a very simple question for you guys this morning, and that is, how good are you at waiting? How good are you at waiting? So about three weeks ago now, I became an auntie again. Um, my beautiful sister had a beautiful little baby girl. Um, we've had a few boys been born in our family, so it's really nice to have a girl again. Um, so yeah, she lives up in Leicester, and I was just so excited that my husband and I had arranged for him to have our three children so that I could spend some quality time up there with my sister and meeting my little niece. So I had to work um, on, in the morning, so at 12 o'clock I, I got in the car and I started to go up to Leicester, and normally it's about an hour and a half to get there, but this time the sat-nav was saying two hours and 15, and it was going up and up every time, like as I was going further down the motorway. I was like, what? This is so frustrating. Have you ever had that when you're so desperate to get somewhere, it's so excited, you know, that there's such excitement waiting for you, that actually you, you're forced to just, you can't do anything about it, you just have to, you have to wait. And, you know, I considered coming off the main roads and sort of going down some side roads to try and cut all the traffic out, but decided that probably wasn't a good idea. I could end up getting lost or whatever and then never get there. Um, so I knew that I just sort of stuck on, on the road, which um, I was on. And, you know, after a, few, after a little while, it dawned on me that, you know, there's no doubt that I was going to get to my sister's house at some point, that I was going to get there, I was going to see her, meet my niece. And I just had to accept 
the weight. I had to just accept that there was nothing I could do about it and try and make the most of that time. And, you know, actually, how often do I get to have a car journey without the kids and the distractions? So I felt like I could use that time to really um, worship and just spend some time with God. And it was then, actually, that I asked him, what is on your heart for the church, for us as a church family? What do you want to speak to us about? And in fact, what he was speaking to me about in that moment is what he wanted me to share with you this morning. And that is about the importance of waiting. You know, once God has spoken something over our lives, there's this time of waiting which follows. And it's interesting because God spoke to me about this just before Richard spoke a few weeks ago. I don't know if you heard his talk. He did such an amazing job speaking on something quite similar You know, he talked about when you're stuck in the middle field, when you can't go back to where you've come from and you're not yet where God is leading you to and you're in that middle place. So I guess this is something that really God wants to speak to us about as a church at the moment. So I'm going to ask the question again, how good are you at waiting? You know, I'm talking about that time, as I said, specifically between when you know God has spoken a promise over your life and then how we can use the waiting time to prepare for when it comes to pass. So essentially, how can we wait well? So I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to get into the bulk of the talk. So Father, I just want to thank you for this word. I thank you that you are speaking to us all the time. And I thank you that you've spoken directly about this. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would um, speak through me this morning, that you would open up our hearts, our ears to what you have to say to us, not just as a church, but also individually. So Holy Spirit, would you just come now? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so waiting. When I say that word, what comes to mind for you? Is it mainly positive? Is it negative? You know, you might be able to tell by the story that I just shared about me going up to Leicester that waiting for me is not always one of my favourite things to do. I can get a bit frustrated. I'm a bit of a doer. I just want to get on and do things. And just the other day, actually, we were waiting in the queue for the ice cream van. You know, we had those really hot days. And outside my children's school, there was this ice cream van. So we were all lined up waiting, hot, tired, grumpy. But we knew we were going to get an ice cream at the end of it. So there we are waiting. We just get towards the front of the queue. And this lady with, like, five children comes up. And she starts talking to the lady in front of us. And I'm like, okay, I think she's just having a chat. We won't say anything yet. Hold back. And then she starts ordering her ice creams. I know. So I was like, excuse me, there's a queue here. And, um, you know, and I felt a bit bad, but actually she ignored me anyway. (laughs) I don't know if she heard me. Anyway, she got her ice cream and that was it. And do you know what? Wait, I got annoyed, I'm going to be honest. And waiting can be hard, can't it? It can be really difficult. And hopefully that's not just me. I don't know about you guys here. I'm hoping it's not just me. Um, But I don't think in general people like to wait. You know, isn't that why we have fast food restaurants, Amazon Prime, catch-up TV? We don't like to even watch the adverts. We can just fast forward the adverts. We've got to find, you know, we've got so used to finding solutions so that we don't have to wait. But I think the danger with that is that then we lose the art of waiting. You know, we lose having to practice patience. We start to see waiting as an inconvenience especially when we've been promised something good at the end of it. You know, we want things immediately, but what if God wants us to use the waiting season as a time that we can learn and we can grow through? You know, God loves to make promises to us, doesn't he? You can see in the Bible a whole range of different promises that God gives. You know, there are two 
kind of types of promises God makes. One is corporate promises. So these are promises for us as a church. And when I say church, I don't mean just us as a church family, but the global church. You know, in Revelation 21, God promises us that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth one day. He promises that one day every tear will be wiped from our eyes. There's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more mourning. I mean, wow, what a promise that he's given us that we can hold on to. You know, we're promised in Matthew and various places in the New Testament that Jesus is going to come back. There's going to be a second coming of Jesus. And then there are promises God makes to us as individuals as well. So maybe as a result of um, us having asked him specific things in our prayer time, he makes individual promises. You know, growing up, I was so desperate to get married. Um, I, even as a little girl, I used to like, dream of my wedding day. And, you know, it was, um, it was a thing for me that I just wanted to get married. And I remember when I was a teenager, kind of early 20s, I remember hearing a friend of mine say, yeah, but what if God doesn't want you to get married? I was like, devastated. I was like, oh my goodness, no, he wouldn't do that. And I remember just having this conversation with God. And it, was, it wasn't really like I was down on my knees praying, but I was having a chat with him. And I was like, you know, God, like, can you just tell me if I'm going to get married or not? Because that would really put my mind at ease. And I thought, I don't really know how he's going to let me know that because it's not like he can write it in the sky or anything like that. So I wasn't sure. But then a few, literally about a week later, two weeks later, I was a teaching assistant at the time in in a year five class. And um, this one of the little girls was playing this. I don't know if you ever remember that game, you know, where you have to like write things. And I think it's called like origami fortune teller. So we'll ignore the name of it. But anyway, she came up to me. and She obviously had far too much time on her hands in the middle of lesson. But she asked me if I wanted to do it with her. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So I did it, chose the numbers, whatever. And then she opened up the flap and she just looked at me with her mouth open wide. And I was like, what? And she was like, you are going to get married. And I was like, that's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's like a funny little story, but actually it meant a lot to me at the time. And then through various like failed relationships that I had with different boyfriends and whatever, I could cling on to the fact that God had promised me that I was going to get married. And maybe you're here this morning and God has spoken a promise over your life. There are also many times that we see in the Bible God making promises to individuals as well. But with that promise, and like my example that I just shared with you, there's often a season of waiting. You know, when God speaks, sometimes he does answer immediately, but more often than not, there's this season of waiting. Sometimes we might have to wait days or weeks or years, or sometimes not even in this lifetime will that promise be fulfilled. You know, Abraham, for example, God promised him that we, he would have an heir to the throne. Uh, sorry, to, for him, he would have an heir through his wife, Sarah. Despite her being really old and she'd gone past childbearing age, God had promised him that. But he had to wait 25 years before Sarah eventually conceived and then she gave birth to their son, Isaac. And then we've got Noah. So Noah was instructed to build an ark. And he did so in faith because everyone around him would have thought that he was absolutely crazy. He spent a long time on this, building this ark. He gave up everything to build it. He believed God had spoken, but he waited 120 years between the time that God instructed him to build the ark before the first rain came. 
Joseph, so God spoke to Joseph in a dream when he was 17 years old and he told him that one day he was going to rule over his brothers who already hated him, by the way. So that was definitely going to just add fuel to the fire. You know, he was 30 when that actually happened. And in that time, in that waiting time, he'd done various things. He'd been shoved down a well, he'd been sold into slavery, he'd gone into prison. And then one day he ended up interpreting the king's dream and he ended up being second in control over the whole of Egypt. You know, God's word over his life came to pass, but he had to wait. And David, um, King David, you know, Saul was appointed as the first king of Israel and he was doing well, but then he disobeyed God. And so God needed a new king. And God told his prophet Samuel that David was going to be appointed king next. So we see here that God spoke a promise over David's life. He said that you are going to be king and Samuel anointed him. But did you know he then had to wait 15 years before he became king of Judah and then a further seven years before he was made king over Israel. So that's that's over 20 years of waiting for David as well. And even Jesus had to wait. You know, he waited 30 years before he started his ministry And he's even waiting now. You know, in Hebrews, it says he's waiting for all his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. Jesus is still waiting. And so with each of these examples, and there are loads more throughout the Bible, there are lessons that we as a people can learn. So I'm going to look at three things that we can do to help us wait well for God's promises to come to pass. Firstly, positioning ourselves. Secondly, surrendering control. And thirdly, trusting God. So firstly, whilst we wait, we need to position ourselves. So about five or six years ago, um, my husband and I, we hadn't been married very long, um, and God spoke a promise over our life, which hasn't yet come to pass. We're still in the waiting season. And in fact, it was such a long time that a few years ago, we began to question, like, did we even hear God right? Is that what God actually said? And you know, God in his graciousness confirmed that through two or three different people. And yet we're still waiting for it. And there's definitely been moments in our life where we're thinking, do you know what? Now would be a great time for that promise to happen. Things have calmed down a bit. You know, things are okay at the moment with, you know, kids settled and all of that. This would be a great time for God's promise to come to pass. Come on, God, what's going on? Like God needs us to kind of encourage him for it to happen. But do you know what? During this time, we can see how we've been positioned in various places so that we've had to lean into God. We've learned more about his character and who he is. And also God has done this amazing preparation, is doing in our hearts and in our marriage, in our family. We've kind of been in this training ground, as it were. He's been positioning ourselves, but we, us, but we also have a part to play in positioning ourselves as well. You know, when we position ourselves strategically, and allow God to conform our character into the likeness of Jesus. You know, that's all part of the training and the preparation as we wait to walk into what God has promised. And you know, this might not always be easy. It's going to involve us taking some risks sometimes and having to step out of our comfort zone. That's the way we're stretched, isn't it? When we take little steps out of our comfort zone. You know, David, as we said, he had this amazing, this mighty calling to be king. Yet he spent most of his time in the field with the sheep, looking after them. 
And I think it's amazing that he didn't, you know, say, do you know what? I'm going to be king one day. I don't need to be here. He didn't grumble or moan. He accepted that that's where God had placed him. You know, the Bible says he was a man after God's heart. He sought God and he knew that he'd been positioned there for a reason. And then we see it later in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to read this in the Bible in a minute. But 1 Samuel 17, we read how David put those skills which he'd been to use, the skills that he'd been having the opportunity to develop. You know, he had this chance to step out and to fight Goliath, which he offered to do, by the way. David was actually not even part of the Israelite army. He was still out there looking after the sheep. But there was an occasion when his dad had asked him to go and to see Saul and to send some supplies to them and to the men of Israel. That that's when he saw his opportunity, David did, to step out in faith. And that's where we pick up um, the Bible verse. So if you've got your Bible, if you can turn there, or if not, don't worry, it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to read 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 to 40. So David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, who was Goliath. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. (laughs) Didn't put up much of a fight, did he? Go on then, off you go. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. David knew how to use a sling and a stone because he'd done it all his life. Now, he'd been fighting off bears and lions. He didn't want to wear the armour that his brothers had been wearing. He wasn't used to that, and he knew that what God had been preparing him with was going to be enough, and he knew God would be with him. You know, David knew that the lessons he had learned in the fields where God had positioned him would be transferred to the battlefield. God never stopped preparing him. And we know the end of the story, don't we? You know, with one shot, David struck Goliath and he was killed. Are we positioning ourselves in the waiting time? You know, are we stepping out of our comfort zones and allowing God to use and to stretch us and to mould us and prepare us for that promise that he has called over our lives? So the second thing we need to do in the waiting time is to surrender control. So I think everybody here at some point has found themselves in a waiting room, right? Maybe for a hospital or for the dentist or for the doctor. And one of the most frustrating things about being in the waiting room, well, which I find, is that once you've told the receptionist that you're there and you go and sit down, you have to just take your seat and you just have to wait to be called. There's nothing more that you can do. There's nothing you can say to speed up your name being called through the door. You simply have to surrender control and wait for your turn. 
And then what can be even more frustrating is when other people you're waiting with get called before you. You know, that's not fair. I got here first. I've been waiting the longest. Surely it's my turn next. Or, you know, I've been praying for months and I'm still waiting. They just prayed once and they got an answer. They got a breakthrough. How is that fair? Part of the waiting is that we need to surrender control and we need to trust God that his timing is perfect, that he knows best. Now, Ecclesiastes says everything has its time and everything that is wanted under heaven has its time. And how about if we went one step further and actually celebrated with those people who get called through before us? You know, instead of allowing feelings of jealousy and rage to rise up and to take over, what would happen if we actually celebrated and rejoiced with those people that got called through before us? You know, rejoice with those who rejoice. It says in Romans, your time will come. We need to surrender control and we need to allow God to take the reins. Of course, the other option is, because we do have another option, we can start to take back the control ourselves. But the only way we can do that is to walk out of the waiting room. Yes, we've regained control, but what are we going to miss out on that's waiting for us on the other side of the door? Genesis 16, verses 1 to 4, we're going to look at this this scripture, again, going back to Abraham and see what lesson we can learn from him. So Genesis 16, it says, Abraham's wife had borne him no children. So they were in the waiting time. God had promised him, had promised them, Abraham and Sarah, that they were going to have a baby and yet they were in this waiting time. And that's where we pick it up from. So Abraham's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. So go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be with his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So we read here how Abraham, after being promised by God that he would bear a son, took matters into his own hands. So he and Sarah had this moment of doubt where they questioned whether God really would fulfill that promise. Is God really going to come through for us with that? Because it doesn't look like it at the moment. So he ended up sleeping with a maidservant, and got her pregnant, just in case God didn't pull through for him. And you know, it's easy to look at that story, isn't it? And think, well, I'd never do that. Goodness me, how could he do such a thing? Abraham. But we do it so often ourselves, don't we? I know I do. Or at least the temptation is there. You know, saying a little white lie in a job interview to make sure that you secure that job that God has already promised you or backstabbing or gossiping about another colleague to make yourself look better so that you can get that promotion that God has already promised you, or being someone you're not to try and impress a man to get that husband that God has already promised you. You know, in the waiting, we have to be careful that we don't compromise who God is or what we know to be true in order to engineer the waiting time. Instead, let's remain faithful to him and let's trust in his timing and in the path that he takes us on because he's God, he knows best. And I love that God still knows our failings. You know, despite that, he knows that we mess up sometimes slash a lot, but he still honours us. 
Now, he didn't turn his back on Abraham and he doesn't turn his back on us. But let's be prepared so that we can wait well. Let's be aware of this. And another reason why I believe it's so important that we surrender control is because if we don't, then there's this danger that we can make the promise a higher priority than the promise maker. You know, if we cling on so tightly to the promise that God has given us, but let go of God in the process, that thing has become an idol. And we know how God feels about idols, don't we? He hates them. God is a jealous God. One of the Ten Commandments, you know, he says, you shall not make an idol for yourself. Can a promise become an idol? Or let's look at it from another, another way. You know, are you prepared to give up the promise if God asks you to? Remember when God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac? You know, Abraham had been waiting all this time for this promise of his son to be fulfilled. He then has his son, Isaac is born, And then God asks him to sacrifice him. And at the last minute, God tells him not to go through with it. But it was proof that Abraham was choosing to put God first above everything else, above the promise. Are we putting Jesus number one and pursuing him with all we've got? Or are there idols in our life that we need to give up? So we need to position ourselves to be able to wait well. We need to surrender control. And finally, we need to trust God. You know, we will never understand God's ways or his timing, but we have to hold on to those truths that we know about him. You know, that God is a good, good father, that he loves us so much that he died for us, that he works all things for good for those who love him. But we can know that and still find the waiting really tough, can't we? The one doesn't negate the other. You know, let's just be real for a minute. We, can, we, can, we know that the, the waiting time can be ridiculously hard. It can be painful. It can be tough. It can consume us. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're in a waiting season and you're really struggling. I just want to say this is a safe place. Let's be real with God how we're feeling. Maybe you've lost a loved one this year and you know the promise is that you're going to see them again one day in eternity, but the wait is long and it's hard. Or maybe you're waiting for God to heal you from something physically or emotionally. You know the promise is that one day there'll be no more pain and no more suffering, but the wait is long and it's hard. Or maybe you're waiting for financial breakthrough. You know God has promised that he is going to provide but the wait is long and it's hard. Or maybe you're waiting to conceive. You know, God has spoken that one day you will have a baby, you'll have a family of your own, but the wait is long and it's really hard. So I want to encourage you this morning to keep pressing in. God is with us in the waiting and he hears our cries. The Psalms are full of people crying out to God. You know, most of them written by David people lamenting, being real and honest with him. There's loads of times, for example, David cries out, calls out to God. He knows he's promised that he's going to be king. Doesn't mean that it's not really difficult and really tough, that waiting time. You know, Psalm 13, how long will this take, God? How long is it going to take? No matter how we're feeling, 
Let's keep conversation going with God. We pray without ceasing. Let's just be real with him. In Isaiah 40, 31, there's this beautiful promise. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Don't give up waiting on the Lord. When we put our trust in him and our hope and our confidence in him alone, he says he will renew our strength. We're going to be able to run and not grow weary. We're going to be able to walk and not grow faint. Keep going. Do you notice with that, run and walk involves us taking a step as well. We're going to be able to keep going when we wait on the Lord and keep our eyes fixed on him. And you know, when Isaiah wrote that, he was actually writing to the Israelites who were living in exile in Babylon, and they had been there for several decades by this point. And although they knew that God had promised them that one day he would deliver them, they were exhausted and they were really burdened by the hardships of life. So here is God through Isaiah encouraging them to keep waiting on the Lord. And it's interesting because then in 1 Peter, it talks about the church being in exile now. You know, the definition of exile, a prolonged separation from one's country or home. So as the people of God, we are in this weird stage of being here on earth, but in a sense, we're exiles, aren't we? You know, this isn't our forever home. The best is yet to come. We will be in eternity with Jesus one day when every single promise will be fulfilled. So we need to do the same. We need to wait on the Lord. Maybe that promise will be fulfilled this side of heaven. Maybe it won't. But we have a hope that because of that we are not part of this world, there's this eternal joy waiting for us where one day we'll be in our true home and we'll be back with Jesus. So we've looked at three ways that we can wait well. We can position ourselves. We need to surrender control and we need to trust in God. And what I'd love to do now is just to give um, us time to respond. So if, if the band could come up, please, that would be great. Um, and I just want to encourage you to just use this time to be real with God. Just be honest with him. You know, maybe you're here and you, um, you actually need to hear God on something. Maybe you don't have a promise that he's spoken over your life, but you really would love one. Just ask him. Let's use this time to seek him and to listen to what his heart is for you. Or maybe you've heard from God and he's spoken a promise over your life and you need to know the next step in waiting. You know, ask him, where is it that you want to position me, God, for this time in this waiting season? Or maybe you've been tempted to take matters into your own hands and you've started to take back control. So why not use this time, if that's you, to surrender again to God, to give back control to him? Or maybe talking about idols today has struck a chord with you and God's maybe brought something to mind that you need to lay down again. You know, maybe you know that Jesus isn't number one at the moment in your life. So again, use this time to say sorry to God, to accept his forgiveness and to just be real in this waiting time. So if you guys could stand, please. And the band are going to lead us in another song. And it'd be great if we could just reflect on what's been said today, reflect on what Jesus has been talking to you about 
and just take that to Him. Use this time to talk to Him, talk to Jesus. And I really, just specifically, one more thing, just feel like there's people here or a person here that needs to know God's comfort this morning. And he wants to say that he's moving across the waiting room to come and sit next to you in that chair next to you. He's not saying anything. He's just being with you. But he's next to you in the waiting room. You know, in Deuteronomy, it says, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. He is with you in the waiting room.